Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Photo Taco on the Improved Photography Network. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. Thanks for spending a few minutes of your day with me. If you've been listening to the Improved Photography Podcast, you know that I've decided to dive into the world of graphics tablets. In December 2016, I started into a review uh, between the Huion graphics tablet, which is a very inexpensive graphics tablet, versus the monolithic owner of the space in Wacom. And I'm, that's not what this episode is going to be today. That's going to come in a few weeks from now after I've had a chance to get a lot of experience with both versions uh, of the tablet. But I wanted to kind of go through what I've learned as I've gone from doing absolutely nothing with a graphics tablet on to being somewhat productive with it, at least at this point. We'll, we'll see if it uh, improves and if I develop more muscle memory. I sure hope that's the case because it's still not fluid and uh, seamless. I'm faster with the mouse for sure. And uh, hopefully with more time that changes. But I want to do this episode about kind of a getting started. If you're considering it, you've never learned about them, you didn't know much about them, Maybe this will help you with how do you get going if you are going to. And at the end, I'm going to tell you, give you a recommendation on whether I think it's worth adding this to your workflow. Whether you be hobbyist or professional, is this something that I think is beneficial, has proven to be worth it for photographers to add to their post-processing workflow. All right, so I've been using a Huion tablet for the last about 45 days now. And this is not an ad. I want to be clear about that. Not an ad for Huion or monoprice.com is where I bought it. That's not what the point is. Um, that just happens to be one of the least expensive options that I could find and, and go to, to, uh, to test this out on. But, but I wanted to focus on kind of what it is that a graphics tablet is first and then some settings or some things that I've learned as I have begun incorporating into my workflow. Uh, the Facebook group thought this would be a really good podcast episode. I kind of put that out there this past week about what they want to hear in this episode. And this one won by a landslide. So hopefully you enjoy it. Let's start with what a graphics tablet is. Because as I record this episode in mid-January 2017, that word tablet, it probably conjures up something a little different in your mind than what I'm talking about here. And maybe you already know, but just in case, it's not an Apple iPad or an Android tablet from Samsung or Amazon or a Windows 10 2-in-1 PC. Those are all kind of in a category of tablets. But a graphics tablet, at least the one that I'm talking about here, it's more of a, it's a kind of a, a flat device that's pretty large and has an, this like active area on it where a pen that comes with it will the motion of the pen and the the pressure sensitivity that you're pushing down on that area will be something that gets transmitted to the computer uh, often through a USB connection to your computer but can be wireless too and um, and then you can incorporate that as kind of a brush or a pen instead of using a mouse in Lightroom Photoshop and everything actually everything you do with a mouse you can do with the pen roughly and so I want to I want to talk about kind of what it is that I'm using these devices for and and how I have incorporated what I've learned as I'm trying to do this. Now, I decided to do this for a few reasons. One of them is that even early on after I picked up my first DSLR camera, I noticed that a lot of people in training videos that I was watching was using were using one. I didn't know that it was a Wacom or a graphics tablet. I'd never been to ex exposed to it. I hadn't been in photography long 
And so I, I didn't even know what it was, but I could tell as they were using Photoshop that the way they were that that mouse cursor was was moving on the screen wasn't the same thing I could do with the mouse. And I thought, well, maybe it's just because they have more experience with it. But as I continued learning, then I could see them using a pen and not a mouse in some cases. I noticed that in the videos. And it got me looking into it. I thought, boy, I wonder what that is and how much it might cost. It seems like that might be a really beneficial thing. I could imagine that in my head, that that might improve the post-processing experience. So I, I looked into it. I kind of figured out eventually that Wacom was the big player in that space. And then I was immediately put off by how much it cost. It was I, it was early on, and I thought, oh, there's no way. This thing is as much as the camera I just paid for, and uh, and there's no way I'm going to be spending that much money on a, a, a replacement for my mouse. So I, I kind of put it away and, and didn't think about it. But then I, I just continued to hear the drum beat on this, about how nice it was to work with a graphics tablet from not only what feels like every training video I watched, but our own Nick Page on the Improved Photography Podcast. In late 2016, he gave in to that same beating drum and he bought a Wacom and he's been raving about it and how much easier it is for him to post-process that I decided I needed to take a look again. Then when I saw Mono Price had one for about 60 bucks, I decided, ah, okay, it's worth a try and we'll see what all the fuss is about. Then I got arrangements too for how I'm going to get a hold of a Wacom and give it a, a test too. So we'll, we'll get that comparison later. But that's kind of why I decided to do that. Now, before I get into really kind of what I've learned, I do need to thank very quickly our sponsor for this episode, which is improvephotographyplus.com. If you like improved photography, photo taco, portrait sessions, and tripod podcasts, all on the Improve Photography Network, then improvephotographyplus.com is a really great way to increase your pace of learning about photography. If you feel like you're kind of going slow, really slowly, then this is a really good way to make it come more quickly for you. Subscribers get access to many of the hosts on the Improved Photography Network, and there are video training courses being added every month or two, and you can download every resource that's ever been offered by Improved Photography over the years. It's only $19.95 a month to subscribe, and you can start your free trial today by heading over to improvephotographyplus.com. I want to thank Jim and improvephotographyplus.com for making this episode possible. All right, first thing I learned how different it is between a mouse and a pen and the tablet. It's, it's really different. It, it kind of conjured up for me the same thing I remembered when I first picked up a mouse. A little strange to see that you were using this device next to the computer in order to move a cursor on the computer. I mean, it came fast and you, you, you know, you got pretty good at it. And now it's so commonplace that you, maybe you can't even remember the first time you used it. And kids seem to pick it up now without even thinking twice about it, maybe because they just see them so much. But whatever the reason, I, it did make me remember that. I'm old enough to remember a time when not every computer even had a mouse. And um, it, it's felt a little similar in learning curve, maybe a little more on this because I've used a mouse. And so it's, you know, I'm constantly kind of comparing my experience to what a mouse is. It's still better at a mouse, but I've been so many years using one. It's not really fair to say that after 45 days, I'm going to instantly pick up a pen and, and it's going to easily replace my mouse. Now, Nick has, has said that he really had to uh, just discipline himself, say, I'm going to do 100% in on this thing. I'm going to only use the pen. I'm going to put my mouse away. I'm not going to use it. I'm only going to use the pen. And that really accelerated him learning how to use it and how to, to get better at it. Um, I haven't found that I want to do that. And I'm gonna, I think I'm going to talk about that a little bit. 
But the, the point is, it is different. And you should expect that you're going to have to go through a bit of a learning curve there. You're going to need to spend some time figuring out how to use it. Um, it's probably going to slow you down as you do. You're going to need to figure out how to get that muscle memory to start to build. I don't feel like after 45 days that I fully built it, maybe because I'm not doing 100% with the tablet. But um, uh, it's also different because uh, a couple specific things that are different between the mouse and the uh, graphics tablet with the pen. The first one is that with the mouse, I'm, I'm very used to and accustomed to picking it up. And I'm sure you'll identify with this. When you're moving your cursor across the screen, especially as photographers, we tend to have really large, high-resolution screens, then you, you very quickly run into like the edge of your mouse pad or maybe other objects on your desk before that cursor even makes it all the way across the screen. So you'll move it a little, pick it up, reposition the mouse, move it some more, pick it up. You're constantly actually picking up your mouse. At least I am. I'm always doing that. Well, picking up the pen from the graphics tablet, that's a whole different meaning. You're not doing that to reposition and then continue moving the cursor. In fact, it doesn't work like that at all. What you're doing when you pick up the pen is you're telling the tablet that you are going to start a new brush stroke. Similar, like think about it as you're using normal pen and paper. When you pick up the pen on normal pen and paper, it's deliberate so that you aren't putting any more ink on the paper. You can change the position of the head of the pen to another spot, then make contact with the paper and begin going in. You're starting a new stroke with the pen. And the graphics tablet has to emulate that same thing. They're trying to make the graphics tablet bring the same experience as you get using a pen or a pencil on a real physical piece of paper. It's just that now it's going to communicate that to a computer and you don't actually see it drawing on the graphics tablet. You see the effects on the computer. So that was really different for me. I pick up the mouse all the time as I'm moving the cursor around and I found myself trying to do that with the pen and it means something totally different. And the other, the way that that works then is that this active area that you define on the tablet, there's this area that has sensitivity to the map, the pen movements, um, that maps entirely to your screen. So if you're going to need to move your cursor, let's say from the far right of the screen to the far left of the screen, you're going to use, you're going to just move the pen from the far right of your graphics tablet to the far left of your graphics tablet in one motion. And that will go all the way across the screen. You don't pick up the pen, you just move it over and it goes from one edge to the other. And uh, so for that reason, they kind of have to be large. They have to be much larger than your mouse pad. So they're, they're usually, uh, it's roughly like twice the size. And, um, and you have to define this active area. One of the things that I've discovered, so this is kind of the second thing, I, I pick up the mouse is one difference. But one of the settings that I've kind of decided I like better, there's a concept of an active area that you can define in the software. At least for this tablet, the Huion tablet, it's that way. And I'm pretty sure I've seen that Wacom has that too in, a, in demos that I've watched. And you can define how much of that sensitive area on the mouse pad is going to actually be sensitive and map your screen there. And by default, it you know does the biggest it possibly can. Of course, I mean, that makes sense. That would you'd want to leverage all of the sensitive area on the tablet as you can. But what I was finding, at least with the Huion tablet I've got right now, was I would run into the edges of the tablet. So this one has kind of a the sensitive area is a little bit indented into the tablet, and there's definite edges 
around it. And, and so as I'd get to the edge of that sensitive area, which would be like the edge of the screen on the, where the cursor was, I would run into that edge and it was, I didn't like the feel of that. I was worried maybe about the tip of the pen. Um, that's, you know, it's sensitive to pressure. It's something that you can definitely break or wear out. And, uh, and I, I felt like I was accelerating my breaking that pen or wearing out the pen tip by running into the edges. So I liked it better. I went in and I, through the software drivers, I decreased the area that, that, that was actually going to be sensitive. And that way I ran, I got to the edge of the screen on my computer screen before I hit the edge of my graphics tablet. And I just like the way that felt better. So that's something maybe to look for as you get into this. If you find that disconcerting to run into the edge, then you do that. All right, the second thing I learned has to do with that size. I talked about the size of it. The Huey on tablet I've got right now is 10 inches by 6.26 inches. So 10 inches wide, it's a really wide device. And we talked about this on, on the Improved Photography podcast. That means it's, it can be challenging to figure out where you're gonna put it on the desk. You know, I have this large ergonomic keyboard that sits in front of me. I have my mouse to the right of it. And then, you know, I have to figure out where am I going to put this really big 10 in 10 inches wide graphics tablet and um, kind of a challenge to figure out what to do with that. Now, if you do Nick's approach and maybe that's the best way to do it and you use it 100 percent of the time, then you can just move your mouse out of the way and put the tablet in that position. It's still probably going to be a lot bigger than you're used to having as you, where your mouse was. And you might even have to clear some space for it. And it could make it so that if you have a bigger keyboard like I do, I really love my ergonomic keyboard, but it's big. Then you, you have this tough ergonomic thing between the graphics tablet and the keyboard. And it could be a challenge on figuring out how you're going to incorporate that into your desk. I'm still not fully satisfied with how I've got it. Now, again, part of the problem is I'm not using it hundred percent of the time, but uh, it's just, it's not, it's hard. That's something you should expect. It's tough to figure out physically where to put it on your desk and have it be something that feels good and incorporates in, into your workflow better so that you don't have to think about it quite so much. So my workflow right now, I, because I'm not going to use it 100% of the time, I just it's not feeling good to do that yet. I don't know if it will with Wacom, and maybe that'll be an advantage I'll find. But um, I do have room in front of my mouse. So I have my keyboard, and, and then just to the right of the keyboard is my mouse. And in front of that mouse, I do have enough space to, to have the tablet sit there. It's connected. It's ready to go, but it's not. Uh, the pen's not on, and I'm not using it until I decide that i am got a use case where I'm going to. And then I'll take my wireless mouse, I'll move it off to the side, and I'll put the tablet down where the mouse was. And then I click on the pen. There's just a little power button on top of the pen that you click, just like you do to like a regular ink pen. You click the, the top of it to lower the ball head down and uh, to click it on. And then you go. It's like a, you know, a two-second change, if that, to go between them. And that's how I'm finding it to be comfortable for me. That's how I'm working it in myself. It's one of those things you're going to have to figure out how you would want to incorporate that. Third thing I've learned, a lot of the tools in Photoshop work really, really well with a pen and graphics tablet, not quite as much in Lightroom. 
Um, mostly because there aren't much in the way of sliders in Photoshop. And that's pretty much all I do in Lightroom. I mean, adjustment brushes, yeah, there's some of that I do, and the pen works really great for that in Lightroom. But most of what I'm doing in Lightroom is sliders. And I find those to be really hard to use with a pen. Now, it's not hard to move the cursor over there to get to the slider. It's not hard to even push down on the pen so that you are you know, you activate the slider and then can use the pen, keeping, uh, holding it down still and move the slider around. That's easy enough. The problem is when I release, when I take my the pressure off, that slider tends to move more, sometimes a lot. Sometimes it really changes a ton. Maybe it's the sensitivity of the Huion tablet and maybe I'll find with a Wacom tablet that I'm I'm more happy with it, and that's one of the reasons cost justifying the expense of the of the walk, and we'll see how that turns out. But I don't like it. <laughs> I really hate it that it didn't. The slider doesn't stay where it was that I wanted it set to, and as I release the pressure off the tip of the pen, it moves. It bugs me like crazy. Maybe I'm a little compulsive about it, but it don't. I don't like that at all. And it doesn't happen with the mouse. I mean, you're not, and there's a reason for that, right? You're not lifting the mouse up. That's one of the cases where you don't have to lift the mouse up. You just let go of the button on the mouse, and now now it's uh, it's done. You're, the, the slider's no longer active, and uh, and then you can move the mouse wherever you want. And it's, it's going to stay right where it's at. Now, there's kind of a workaround for it. Uh, Connor brought this up on the Improved Photography Podcast that you can just kind of click into the box next to the slider that has the number in it. And then you can use the keyboard arrows up and down to change it. And, and that works very well, very well. Or you can type in a number directly. But that kind of, to me, seems like it's a fail right there in the user interface. If, the, if you have to go to another device in order to do something that you, you could do with a single mouse before... That's kind of an indicator to me that this isn't ideal for that kind of a thing. And so I just find that that part of Lightroom, which is, again, most of what I personally use Lightroom for, it's a challenge to change the sliders. I don't really like the pen for that interface. I prefer the mouse significantly over it. And uh, we'll see how that goes over time. But it's one of the things that I've kind of learned. One of the big benefits I saw from those training videos I watched where I could tell a graphics tablet was being used was watching them change their brush size and hardness in Photoshop without going to the properties at the top of the screen to do it. And that's how I had to do it right now with my mouse up at the top of the screen. You have drop downs there for hardness and size. And if I needed to change it now, I would actually use the keyboard shortcut, the square brackets to change the size. I learned that very early on and have been using that shortcut for a long time. But hardness, it's hard enough to change. It's kind of interesting that it's hardness and hard, but it's hard enough to change the hardness setting. I don't touch it much. I find that I don't use it much. And I was really excited about this part of it. That was the one piece I knew before I ever even got the graphics tablet that I wanted to try. It's the thing that I wanted to try like first <laughs> was how do you go change the hardness and size of the brush when you use the pen? I was expecting it to be kind of a, a no keyboard necessary sort of thing. And it turns out that's not really how it works. Uh, I had never looked into it before I had the graphics tablet, but you don't even have to have it. And you can see how this works because it works with a mouse too. So another disappointing thing is this is pretty different between Mac and PC. 
And since I'm a user of both, I do a lot of post-processing on both platforms. Uh, I hate it when there's something that has different keys, like vastly different keys. And this one's one that's really super different between Mac and PC. So on a Mac, what you do is you hold down control and option, and then you can uh, use the, just kind of float over the tablet. You don't have to even push down. You just kind of float over the tablet with the pen. And if you move up and down, it changes the hardness. And if you move left or right, it changes the size. And so control option, move the pen around, changes it. Fairly easy thing to do. On Windows, I find it more difficult. This is one place where I think the Mac has it beat on how this works. But on Windows, you hold down the Alt key and right click. Yeah, right click, like mouse right click kind of thing. And you can do that through the pen has ta uh, buttons on it. And I mapped one of the buttons on the pen to be a right click button. It's helpful for other reasons too. Photoshop, you use right click all the time. So you kind of need that right click functionality there right on the pen in order to make it kind of access those menus, those same things right there on the pen. Um, but you can do this with your mouse. That means that you can just hold down alt and right click. And then if you're in windows, you and Photoshop, you'll now see that you can move the mouse up and down or left to right to change hardness and uh, size. So you can do that. I've just, I was so excited about this feature and it's disappointed me. <laughs> I haven't liked it either on Mac or PC. It's uh, maybe I'll get more used to it. I'm not done trying to make it go, but I am so much faster using the keyboard shortcuts to do the increasing the size of the brush. And again, I haven't really baked into my workflow that I do a lot with uh, changing the hardness. Most of the time when I'm using brushes, I don't want a hard edge. So I, I kind of leave it with the soft edge of the brush all the time. And I don't, I haven't incorporated changing that. So we'll see if that changes any, but this is a feature that let me down. I, I didn't like how it was. Now I think there's some more customization options I'll have with this once I get to a Wacom tablet. I think this is another area where the Huey on solutions more limited than what you can get with Wacom. And we'll see if that convinces me that this is a better, a better thing, but I was really disappointed with it. You can go give it a try with your mouse. I think you should. If uh, this was one of the features you were really looking forward to, like I was, then go try it with your mouse. Use the, the way that I talked about doing it. Try it with your mouse and see if, uh, if you like it. I just was really disappointed with it. All right. And the last thing I've learned um, was kind of the settings in Photoshop that you need to go make sure you go set. It doesn't just automatically change Photoshop to make it take full advantage of the graphics tablet. You've got to go change a couple of settings and I'm going to walk through them in a, in a fair amount of detail to make it so that it can be used. And um, now it, it's not to say that it doesn't work because it does. You can get it. It works without doing anything. You can definitely use the pen in place of the mouse. You get a lot of the benefits of being able to have that more natural feel for drawing slash painting and, and how that is compared to like pen and paper and, and working in Photoshop. But these settings make it so that it just works a little bit closer even. All right. So, and I, I have to warn you before I go through these settings on both Mac and PC for me, I had to reset my preferences in Photoshop to get this to work. And I think it's a problem that's resulted from doing the upgrades of Photoshop over many years now. And, um, you know, occasionally I will see in the Adobe forums that people have to do this for various reasons. Just 
it seems to be kind of the standard answer. If something's not working right in Photoshop, then people will say, oh, have you reset your preferences yet? And so it, it seems to be a common thing that preferences can kind of cause stuff to get fouled up in Photoshop. And if you clear them, then stuff gets improved. And that means you will lose your preferences. So anything you've done as you go to edit preferences or in uh and that's on Windows in the Mac, it's Photoshop preferences. If you've done stuff in there, you're going to lose everything you've customized in there, which is a bummer. And you'll, you know, before you do this, if you need to, then you want to write down what you've done there. I don't tend to do a whole lot there, probably for this very reason. I guess it wasn't a deliberate decision, but for the very reason that uh, Adobe often recommends you reset your preferences to make things work again, um, I haven't changed a whole lot in there. And so, but I, I did reset preferences and then stuff worked again. And the effect that led me to that was I changed these settings that I'm about to talk about and they wouldn't take effect. Like it didn't change how the, the flow or the pen worked at all in Photoshop. And then as soon as I lift up on the pen from the graphics tablet, I could actually see the settings revert back and I couldn't make them stick. I couldn't make them stay at all on both Mac and PC. I saw this. So I don't know, maybe something with the latest update or at least one of the recent updates has made it so that something here got messed up because it happened on both platforms. But if that's the case, what you do is you go to edit preferences general and or uh, on PC on Mac, you go to Photoshop preferences general. And then you there's a big there's a button right there that says reset reset preferences on quit. Then you close Photoshop, you reopen it. All your preferences are erased including like recently opened files and recently used fonts and some of the stuff that, uh, that is handy to have around. And, uh, and then it worked. Then these settings worked. All right. So with that out of the way, three major settings to take a look at, become familiar with in Photoshop if you're using a graphics tablet. Now to get to these settings, what you do, you'll want to have your pen ready. You want to have it going. And then you go into Photoshop and you select the brush tool. So you need to have the brush tool, you know, active. And then you choose window menu and brush. And that's going to pop up a little panel that has on the left-hand side something called brush tip shape. And then some settings in there. And there's two settings in that list. There's one that's called shape dynamics. It's kind of the very top one on that list. And there's one a little lower down called transfer. And shape dynamics, there's one setting under that that I highly recommend you use, and that is called size jitter. So what this is going to do, you're going to change the way this works so that as you push harder on the pen, the pen pressure is going to control the size of the brush. And <clears throat> so you... Set, what you do to set this is there's there's a size jitter, there's a slider. I recommend just leaving the slider at zero. And then there's control right underneath that. And you're going to change that from off to pen pressure. And when there's a graphics tablet there, it uh, there's no little icon warning you about it. If you don't, like I right now I don't have the graphics uh, pen turned on as I'm looking at these settings. And there's a little exclamation point next to it that says... Um, you don't have a graphics control by pen pressure requires the use of a pressure sensitive tablet. 
And since I, my pen's not turned on, it's not seeing that tablet. And it's warning me like, uh, you know, you're changing a setting that doesn't matter right now. So you could follow along with me without even having a pen, a graphics tablet, just so you can see the controls. And you'll see that little dialogue, that little triangle appear. But if, with, if your pen is on and your tab tablet's connected, then when you change this to pen pressure, there won't be the exclamation point. And now the size of the brush is going to be altered by how hard you push down on the pen. It's gonna be constrained to the size of the brush that you set. So that setting up in that upper part of the uh, panels up there, the properties for your brush, that's still going to apply. If you set it to, let's say 50, if you set the brush size to 50, it's kind of a big brush, then the, when you push the pen all the way down, when you push as hard as you can, it's gonna to get to 50, the size is gonna be 50. And if you barely, barely push, if you barely make contact with the graphics tablet, then it's going to be a much smaller brush. It may even be a size of one or two compared to the 50 as you barely push down. And, uh, and so that, that's kind of how that works. Now, that might be the effect you want, but I found that I don't, for me, I don't want the edges of my brush to show. That's why I've deliberately used soft brushes almost always. When I'm using a brush in Photoshop, I don't usually want to see edges of the brush or what I'm painting. I want uh, smaller adjustments in my photos than that. And so I have found that I need to also use the, the slider just underneath it called minimum diameter, and I've set it at 20%. Um, I've heard it recommended set at 30%. I didn't like it being that big by default. So I liked it at 20. That's kind of where I found it. If I went less than that, I started to see the edges more and I didn't like that. You'll have to tune it to your taste, how you use the pen as you do it. But those are the controls that you should tune it with. So again, that size jitter, leave it at 0% on the slider and then change the control to pen pressure and set the minimum diameter to 20. Now, if you look further down, there's a couple of other things there. You have angle jitter and roundness jitter that you can also set to control being pen pressure. Um, I tried those out. I didn't really see a value of it as a photographer trying to make adjustments to photos to have those on. Well, I could see maybe if you had a specific effect you were trying to do, I don't know, maybe if you were trying to paint in snow or something like that, maybe using the angle jitter and the pen and the roundness jitter and the controlled by the pen would be helpful. But for, mo for the normal adjustments in the way that I use adjustment brushes, or just a brushes in general in Photoshop um, with the graphics tablet. That's what I recommend under Shape Dynamics. Going over to the transfer settings there in brush tip shape, um, there's two here. And the, the biggest point I want to make first with these is the difference between them. So there's opacity jitter and flow jitter. And it's kind of confusing, I think, about what the difference is. And I had to do a little research to actually figure it out because I, I couldn't see just by using the pen what the difference was. And, and what I discovered was the basic difference is opacity jitter is going to mean that it is going to be more linked to the pen being lifted off the tablet. So the the use case here is you're, you're coloring, you're using the brush to paint in some kind of adjustment. And the opacity controls how visible that is, obviously. I, I'm sure you're familiar with that with brushes about opacity controlling that. And the, but the, the difference between it and flow is that um, as long as you hold the pen down and paint, that opacity, no matter how many times you go over the same spot, is not going to get any bigger, any darker. 
the you're not laying down more ink we'll say digital ink it's uh, the ink you are laying down is opaque it's not it, or has a certain opacity it may be 100% and it may be 50% and it may be 10% whatever you set it to it's going to have that opacity but it never gets any darker no matter how many times you go over the same area the same spot Whereas flow, oh, it will finally do more of that if you pick up the pen and then go over the same spot. So if you color in and then you need, you decide, I really want a little bit more, you have to pick up the pen, put it back down and color again. And that's going to now make it so that you get darker areas or you're, you're kind of doubling up on the ink and the opacity levels. Flow, on the other hand, works more like you'd expect with a real pen and paper. And this is the one that I prefer. So I turned off opacity jitter. I don't have the control there for the pen pressure. What I do is flow jitter, 0% still on the slider, but on the control, I set that to pen pressure. And now as you color, as you're painting using the brush, when you go over the same area over and over and over, it's adding more ink over and over and over and it just gets darker and darker and darker. So you can control a lot better how that looks. And and the pen pressure too, I think it makes a little more sense. I, I really kind of found it odd the way opacity works. So I didn't like that slider myself. You, you, you may want to go change or play with both of those, but that's kind of in general what it is that those the differences are there between those two things. All right, so those are the three major settings that I talked about there. One of them being opacity, leaving it to control to off and setting flow jitter to 0%, control to pen pressure, and then under shape dynamics, having the size jitter set to 0%, control to pen pressure, and minimum diameter to 20. All right, now, let's see, I wanna share my opinion about this. Um, If you can't tell, I'm kind of won over. (laughs) I've kind of won over that this is a, uh, this is something worth, working on. This is something worth making, especially that very small investment of $60. It's going to be interesting to see if I think the expense of the Wacom is going to be worth it. But the $60 investment, the small investment you'll have to make in learning how to use it a little bit, it does seem worth it to me. That seems like it's it's a valuable thing to incorporate. Maybe not right off. There might be other things that are far more valuable to spend your time and money on. But as you get into things and and as you get to the point where you maybe want to add a little more finesse to your post-processing workflow, you want to be able to add things a little bit more subtly maybe than you do. Or if you're just really tired of having kind of wrist fatigue, if you've gone through long editing sessions and your wrist is really, really tired, it's worth trying to see how that changes it. Now, I I do have to say another thing I've learned is it doesn't go away and maybe it's because I write so seldom on real pen and paper that I don't have the muscles for it. That's entirely likely. I type on computers for my day job and then I work on post-processing stuff in photography. I don't spend a lot of time with pen and paper or pencil and paper. And uh, I frankly probably just don't have the muscle built up. So I've, I have had a little bit of soreness as I've used the, the pen for a lot long period of time. Um, probably just because I'm not used to doing that. If you do much with pen and paper, it may be a lot more seamless transition as far as that goes. But uh, the wrist fatigue is definitely not there. And the the fatigue I'm experiencing is no not a big deal in comparison. And I, again, probably just because I don't have the muscle buildup. All right, so so that's kind of where I see it. 
I, I do think it's worth it. I think it's something that you should look at if you fall into some of those categories of wanting to add a little finesse or maybe trying to get a risk, rid of some wrist fatigue. Very worthwhile to get into that tool. In fact, it just so happens that on the day I'm recording this here in mid-January 2017, Brian Pex put out an excellent article over at improvephotography.com where he outlined eight reasons you need a Wacom tablet. Now, I'm not sure I'd put it in the same category as need, okay? That that conjures up a little bit different idea for me, but Brian's just really convinced, obviously, that it's a really wonderful tool, and he loves his, and he gives you some good reasons. Um, I Just go read it. It's, it's a really good article. I'm sure if you go to improvephotography.com right now, it's one of the first ones that are listed there. Go read his reasons. I, I like his reasons a lot. I'm not going to rehash them here. Go read the article. I just wanted to point that out. We didn't coordinate that. It just happened to work out this way that he wrote the article in the same week that I'm releasing a photo taco episode about what I've learned about graphics tablets. Now, before I close out, the one other thing I wanted to address was my good friend, Katherine Johnson from our Facebook group. She asked in particular if I could make mention of any complications she, that I might anticipate someone having if they have a bit of a hand tremor. She said, I remember a graphics program I tried to use early on when they first came out and I couldn't get a straight line with my hand tremor. I don't want to invest in something that I won't be able to use. Now, I don't think I have much of a hand tremor to tell you for sure, Catherine. Um, at this point, I think I have fairly steady hands for, uh, uh, I don't know, not much to compare it to. And that doesn't mean I could draw a straight line with a mouse though. Um, I think that's pretty hard for anybody to do. That's why you have the options to like hold down the shift button and make a straight line. But um, I don't think it would be much different from what you might think uh, or see happens on real pen and paper. That might be the test. If you're fairly straight, if you're fairly, you know, controlled in writing with pen and paper, then with whatever little hand tremor you might have, then that's probably what you're going to see with the graphics tablet. If on the other hand, you can't like everything is, is very scribbled or very, I don't know how the, the words to describe it. If it's, if it's a real struggle to even get something kind of clearly done on pen and paper, yeah, you might be right that it's not for you. Um, I don't know how to tell you for sure. Cause I don't have it to say, but that's kind of roughly how I'm looking at it. They've really done a pretty good job in replicating the experience between our physical pen and paper and the graphics tablet, the digital experience. So that's the best I got for you, Catherine. Sorry. Not sure if that's even going to be helpful, but there you go. All right. So those are the things that I kind of mostly learned in using a graphics tablet. And I do kind of recommend it. I think it's something worth looking at, something to evaluate. And at $60, you know, that's not a significant investment to give it a try and see what you think. Might be good to start there. And, uh, and then if you really like it, um, depending on what I find in the next few weeks with Wacom, um, then you could upgrade if you decide you really like it. it might be a good way to, to test the waters, at least, with the Hueyon tablet from monoprice.com. All right, that's it for this episode. Hope you all enjoyed it. As a quick reminder, you can suggest topics for the show through the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash phototaco, through Instagram by messaging at phototaco podcast, or through email where the address is phototacopodcast at gmail.com. No question too basic or too complicated for the show. If I don't know the answer to the question, I'll see about bringing on an expert guest to go through it. Don't forget to check out the other podcasts on the Improved Photography Network. I talked about them before. Portrait Session, Tripod, and Improved Photography. 
Also take some time to head over to the mothership, improvephotography.com. Go check out Brian's article today or uh, this week, hopefully, as you're listening to the podcast. Really good one about the Wacom tablets. But we have constant updates with fabulous articles from a lot of different authors, news, gear, and other photo tip articles. It's the best way to improve your photography. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of Improved Photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!